Welcome to We Flesh, in this here place, Black Women Be, a podcast that explores topics relevant to Black women folk and all those who love and care for us. Here, we embrace the fullness of our humanity. Here, we be in conversation and contemplation. Here, we just be together. Join me, Lisa Anderson, and my amazing co-host, Amakayla Gaston. Welcome, beloveds. In the words of Toni Morrison, in this here place, we flesh. Beloveds, I'm Lisa Anderson. And I'm Amakayla Gaston. And welcome to We Flesh in this here place where Black women be. Yay! And I'm very excited. I'm always excited, Lord. Um, um, <laughs> leading today, we have our guest, Michelle Browder. And um, Ami, I know this is your first time meeting Michelle, but I have met her before. And I've had the pleasure of being in her company when she um, helped facilitate a piece of the Sojourner Truth Leadership Circles. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't even, she is truly holding all of the things. She is, uh, listeners, I don't even know how to begin to explain what you are about to experience in two seconds. Lisa, tell us what they're going to hear. Okay, so Michelle Browder is um, is making art and making change and loving Black women into wholeness and wellness in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm. Um, she is the sculptor who created the uh, Mothers of Gynecology Monument. And um, listeners, we will have all of the information in the show notes about how you can see that and how you can participate in her stuff. But let me tell you something. You know, Michelle came of age in the 70s in the South when, yes, we won a lot during the civil rights movement. We sure did. But there were those moments in those small towns when there was integration, when we lost something um, in our Black communities and um, in terms of being able to just be together with us. And so she experienced some stuff um, in the face of white supremacy that you know, was hard and tough and would have led her down a road of not loving herself, but mm. art's there because art saves us. That's right. So that's the story you're going to hear with Michelle Browder. Oh my gosh. And just the way that she has held the heartbeat of Black women in gynecology through her art, through all of her mission work, everything that she's doing. It's going to be a great show. Check it out. Michelle is a native of Denver, Colorado, and at the age of seven, her family moved to rural Verbena, Alabama. That was in the late 1970s. And Michelle there experienced bullying and racial violence at an early age, but she was always outspoken. And so she confronted those who tried to come for her. And that led to uh, multiple suspensions and things. And we know, we know a lot about the 
prison to the cradle to prison pipeline that mm. reality and um how our young folks who are responding to injustices that are done for them are often funneled in a direction her parents saw that that could have been her road and they encouraged her to pursue her art as her yes. creative out outlet as opposed to letting the system push her in a direction that would lead to her destruction. And so at the age of 13, um, she began to harness her entrepreneurial spirit. She started her first business, which was hand-painted t-shirts. Um, <laughs> and then went on to um, move to Atlanta, got her degree in graphic art and design. And for 35 years, she has been doing art and being a creative in throughout the South. Um, wow. I could read more and more of her bio, but I want it to come out naturally in her conversation. I think the thing that I want everybody to know, though, is that the Mothers of Gynecology Monument, which was a which is um, um, also have been has been on tour, um, is something that um, it's it's oh God a love a love art project a love and justice art project, mm. remembering and reclaiming the history of black women mm. um, in uh, the formation of modern gynecology. So without further ado, um, Michelle, we welcome you. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. So that was beautiful. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I have to say when I first saw it and I haven't seen it live, you know, this, this, <laughs> monument that Lisa's talking about it literally knocked me off my feet I can't even begin first of all working in that medium was it like iron like did you weld all of that together I mean like it's it's so alive it's exquisite it's exquisite how do you find your inspiration to do that uh COVID (laughs) and as a creative and I take it you all are creatives too um and so you we are special people and we have to keep creating and during COVID it was like you're you're kind of in a silo if you're single and and by yourself and so basically in order to stay sane I needed to create but it was always the mothers of gynecology um, that I learned when I was 18 years old that I always felt that I would create something to honor these women I didn't know in what capacity Mm -hmm. but um you know during COVID I snapped it was a trigger for me Mm -hmm. and it's I, I felt that the time to uh, do the work of creating was during that time. Mm. And so um, again, it all started when I was 18 years old. Do you you paint and you weld and what other mediums do you work in? Like all the mediums? Uh, yeah, just painting, welding, I write. You know, wow. I'm a, I, I music. So there's a little song, there's a little music, there's a little poetry, there's a little everything. Oh, um, renaissance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holding but, it all down. Yeah, is the, the metal. There's something. So when you all come, I have to put a welder in your hand. There's something yeah. about the sound and the popping of the metal and the, yeah. yeah. So empowering. Something about- yes, fire. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. For those Absolutely. who don't know, tell us a little bit, you know, every time we get together, Michelle, we ask the question, you know, the, the title of this podcast is uh, We Flesh. And so in this here place, Black Women Be. 
And so what does it mean for you, Michelle, to be a creative, a black woman being creative, to be in your flesh as artist? Um, and, and inside of that question, tell us a little for those who don't know uh, what the Mothers of Gynecology work is and what the sculptures are. Our audience can't see it, of course, but just a little bit about your context and how you mm. be creative. Yeah, again, it, it well, you know, just being for me in, in 2023 and uh, just from where I've come from as an artist, as a creative, is uh, a place of a lot of, you know, artists, we, a lot of times we create either out of our pain or disappointment or joy, it's whatever space that you're in at that time. But with this particular project, because I grew up in the rural South just after segregation, uh, came to Montgomery, Alabama, I was born in Denver, but moved to, I'm sorry, not Montgomery, but Verbena, Alabama, just after integration in the 70s, where the B word was constantly used by my teachers it was nothing to be called a nigga in front of a crowd of my peers. Population 1,500. Mm. My graduation class was 25 people and five of us were Black. So wow. it was, a, a, you know, that growing up there, those, what, I guess, 10 years or um, nine years, it was nothing, you know, to write home about my, my parents. They, you know, Birmingham and Chicago, they talked about the love of their teachers, their Black uh, instructors and how they were groomed and you know they were taught to be somebody and love themselves and love the culture we weren't taught that you know growing mm -hmm. up in this south so I had to find ways of, of bringing myself joy and my family joy because you know uh, again it was a population of 1500 and so it wasn't until I moved away for college and to learn about the mothers of gynecology at the ripe age of 18 years old and my professor had, there's a very popular painting. It's an illustration that was done by Robert Tom. Robert Tom is an illustrator who was commissioned by Park Davis, which is now Pfizer, to create 45 pieces of art that shows the great moments of medicine. Wow. And so that very popular painting of this Black woman on, or Black girl on a, it looks like she's on a gurney of some type or on a table kneeling on a table or a hand is on a chest and there's two black women kind of peering behind the sheet and there's these three white men, you know, kind of standing around them mm. uh, and J. Marion Sims holding a speculum, which is a tool that he created from the experimentations of their bodies, from ravaging their bodies. Um, I was 18 when I saw that. Wow. And I thought, <laughs> I asked my instructors, white gentleman that, you know, was my instructor. And I asked him, I was like, what does this mean? What did, can you tell me a little bit of the art and, and why are these women looking like this? I was just really intrigued by it. And he told me to go figure it out myself. Ooh. So I was like, and he's very snarky, very, you know, we already knew what that was. And so thankfully I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to the space called the Shrine of the Black Madonna. Yes. Was, I don't know if y'all know about them, but they... They taught me about the African diaspora. They taught me about the transatlantic slave trade. There was, you know, there was just information, an abundance of information at this space. And I would find myself sitting there and listening to them and going to their lectures at 18. And so then I created my portfolio. And you asked me, how do I be? This is how I become to my being, right? Um, it was my portfolio. I created my whole portfolio for graduation around an Arthur Lucian Yes. Reimagining 
you know, them dancing, but having to dance because Black people, per, Black women, we have persevered, right, through art, through our yes. love language, singing. Through, somehow they managed to make babies, even through the reign of terror. Mm-hmm. Um, think about it, right? We found love still. So I wanted, this was my love letter to the mothers of gynecology. By then, I was 19. And my professor looked at me and he looked at my portfolio and said, it's too black. <gasps> no, no. God. He said, you need to diversify mm. Wow, your portfolio. Mm. Wow. You know, y'all know, you didn't grow up watching black people sit Listen, and I, can I just say, as somebody who has family in Sheffield, Alabama, it's, uh, it's another thing. Alabama, even is a different thing than the South. So the fact mm-hmm. that you rose up at 18 and went and got your own learning and your own training and showed up and had your own creation and for them mm-hmm. to say that, that is so, mm-hmm. so actually, I'm sure there was a turning point for you, wasn't it? Where you were just like, okay, it's on like Donkey Kong now, for real. It, it was. And so I know during your introduction, you said that I, I got a degree, I actually didn't. I dropped out of college. Uh-huh. I, you know, I threw up the proverbial rule. Yeah, I just threw up the little middle finger and I told him to kick rocks. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Yeah. And created my own business in art and illustration and creating uh, monologues and uh, commercials. I became, you know, a visual artist. And mm-hmm. then uh, uh, several years later, 2002, I received a phone call from my mother and who asked me to come home. Uh, to help with the organization that my father my father founded. My dad is the first black prison chaplain appointed by George Wallace. Whoa. Wow. I did not know that. Yes. And then I come from a long lineage of uh, history makers like uh, the civil rights, uh, Aurelia Browder. Browder ended the Montgomery bus boycott. She was an aunt of ours. And, mm. and so, you know, to, so I, and I ran from that calling and it took me two years to reach to, moved to Montgomery, Alabama. But when I moved to Montgomery, mm. here comes the in my grown-up years, um, I started researching the iconography around our city and found that that same doctor that I met at the wow. age of 18 stands at our state capitol in front of a building that Black people built. Mm. Enslaved men and men and children. Um, I was serious. I can't and imagine. So there's mm. the trigger again. I was yeah. triggered all over again mm-hmm. and so I found my being and in my flesh uh, the calling to um, tell people about this history about these mothers of gynecology about these women that endured pain and suffering these girls they were just 17 the 17 yes they were just children mm-hmm. um, and to dispel this you know black people or black women feel pain differently which this is still taught and they're medical books today so I just made it a mission from 2002 until here we are today to tell the truth about this history and make people reckon with black women and what we have contributed forcibly to health science this is my duty as an artist yes you are Mm -hmm. a true artivist I mean and you know when I saw your creation it knocked me on my feet, just like, you know, Kara Walker's Sugar Baby. I don't know if you oh, saw yeah. that. Right? Yes, yes. That, yes, that, yes. It's just, it, 
it's undeniable what you're saying and you don't even have to use words to say it. And to me, that's the power of art. You mm -hmm. can express your perspective and your commentary on the medical system, just like you're doing with your beautiful art without having to say a word, it's all there. And the faces that you welded together. I mean, that's incredible. They look so real. There, yeah. I've had the pleasure of seeing it in person and um, with, um, I, do you recall us when we were there with you, um, Michelle? It was the women from Auburn Seminary. It was the group of reproductive justice leaders. And, yes. and I think they bought everything out of your gift shop <laughs> on the day that they were there. But, you know, tell folks, you know, the, the, um, tell folks the story about the, the hospital, the, the hospital space that you recently purchased and who you purchased it, you know, what it used to be and what oh, it has become. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it used to be the site and there's a plaque outside the building that says the site where J. Marion Timms, father of gynecology, modern gynecology, conducted, you know, found, it's a really flowered um, type of narrative that they wrote. And, but it was it, last year, well, after, it's been a year now, but September 21st, 25th, when uh, I erected the monument, I just, I wanted to make this beautiful piece of art, but not just for people to come and look at, and just say, oh, this is beautiful. You know, I wanted to use it as a teaching tool and as a resource to enlighten folks. And so I thought, hey, mm -hmm. we're going to have a conference, right? Now, this is September of 2021. And by January, 100 people had registered for this conference. And I called it the Anarcha Lucy Betsy Day of Reckoning. Wow. Put it together in literally like two months went to my mayor and said, hey, we need a day of reckoning. He gave it a proclamation. So it's actually a day in Montgomery, Alabama. Yes. And I said, wouldn't it be awesome if we could have a conversation in the backyard of the hospital where these women were kept, where they were enslaved and where they were trafficked? And, and so I called the building because uh, they had allowed me to go inside that space once before. And I called the, the caretaker of it. And he says, well, why don't you just go down and talk to the owner. He's there waiting on some people now and see if he'll let you, you know, see if it's okay if you can use the backyard for your, you know, your conference. I get there. There's this tall white man with gray hair. Deep Southern twang was standing outside the building. And uh, I just went to him and I said, hey, I would like to use the backyard of your space. I told him the rest of the history. And he was like, oh, he says, would you need access to the inside? And I said, no, this is, this is space in the backyard. And he says, oh, I don't have a problem with that, Miss Browder. You can have that. And he says, I thought you were here to buy the building. <laughs> and I said, oh, the building is for sale. Why are you selling it? He says, yeah, someone from the representatives, they want to buy the building. And um, he says, I'm here to wait. I'm waiting on them. And uh, he says, we're just trying to get rid of it. I said, well, what's wrong with it? Is it disgusting? Is the roof caving in? Is the floor? What's going on? So I peeked in the window and literally you could see desks and monitors and it looked as if someone just picked up their folders and left because everything was still there. Wow. And I said, what's wrong with it? He says, nothing. He's like, we've been gone here, you know, from here for life. And I got to do the little boy situation because y'all yeah. got to understand. I'm thinking this is Trump's cousin. He looks like Mike Pence. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm taking this guy 
And so he's like, no, he says, we've been gone from here for four years. He says, but um, he said, Miss Brown, if you tell anybody, I'll deny it. He said, but there's paranormal activity happening in this building. And I know who it is. Right, right. And he said, there's children crying. He said, my staff won't stay here. He said, you can hear children crying. You can see people walking around in dark shadows. He says, and I've never seen it, but I could feel the air on my neck standing up at times when I've been in certain places. Yeah, and it's cold in certain points. He was like literally freaked out. And his face turned red as he's telling me this story. He's like, and I've, he says, we've had it for 35 years. We don't need it anymore. And we've got another place. So I said, well, how much are you selling it for? He said, $100,000. This place is literally around the corner from the slave auction block. Around um, maybe a hundred yards from the Selma to Montgomery March, a hundred yards from where what? the Civil War started in terms of the telegraph that you know started the Civil War, literally right around the corner from where travelers would come into Montgomery, Alabama to stay for secession. When mm-hmm. during secession, where they cast that vote to secede from the Union, this space is a historical site. Wow. Absolutely. And I said, a hundred thousand dollars. He's like, I just don't want it. And I said, I think I need the building. And he said, Well, what would you do with it? Cross his arms, like all. Oh. <laughs> he was like, oh, you're you trying to get rid of it and now you're gonna have a problem with somebody buying it. Look at you. <laughs> and uh he says, What would you do? And I and so I told him, I said, I would teach. I would teach the rest of this history. If he's the father of gynecology, there must be a mother somewhere. And I would teach and I would allow space for doulas and midwives to, to help women who need assistance with care. And, you know, there's a maternal health crisis that we're in. And mm-hmm. we would like to address that and give women the resources. And not only that, but I would create a primary care. Now, I'm just talking. Wow. Download it into you. Do it. Like, I'll tell them, girl. Yes. I told you she had to tell the story, right? <laughs> Yes, and so up, so upstairs, beautiful. It's a huge place. I said we would offer a primary care service for women, and not just for them, but to teach medical students, oh first year God. medical students, nurse practitioners, OBs, and gynecologists, how to issue love, dignity, and respect to a patient. Michelle. To see the dignity and humanity in people. Oh my Apparently, God! That right. So he was like, I love that idea. I'm like, shut up, my kids. Before I knew why they called him Mike. He's like, my name is Jim. I said, I'm sorry, dude. And he said, um, he says, I love it. He said, if you're going to do that to this field, then I'll let you have it for $75,000. What? Yes. Michelle, reclaiming. You reclaimed it. Yeah. But she ain't ready, friend. Lisa, tell her she ain't ready. She, she 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 she's not ready for the. I'm, I'm sitting down. Come on, get me ready. Go ahead, go ahead. You ain't ready. So he said, I said seventy five. I said, sir, are you sure? Is there asbestos in the building? Is the building caving in? Is there something wrong with the roof? He said, no. We just spent sixty thousand dollars on the roof. Is that wrong with the flooring? You know, there's a, there's a little time not damage, but not much. So I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you what. Can I give you? Can I make an offer? He said, make your offer. I said, can I give you thirty five thousand dollars? down and you carried the loan so here's the thing oh no the name of his business is first son finance <gasps> which predatory lending 
Mm-hmm. Okay, you you borrow a dollar, he gonna make ten off of you. Mm-hmm. So he said thirty five thousand. He says, "How long would you?" And I asked him to carry the loan, and he says, "Well, how long would you need me to do that?" I said, "Well, can you just give me two months? I believe I can raise some money." He was like, "Let me go talk to my wife." Call me back on Monday. I was like, this guy is not going to do this. I called them back on Monday. They were on their way to Tennessee to their beautiful farm. And little Miss Gone with the Wind gets on the phone and says, Miss Brown or tell us what you want to do with this building. And I told her and she said, Michelle, we've been watching you for a long time. We love what you're doing. (gasps) Michelle. She said, can you give us that $35,000? You can have this building. (gasps) Shut up. Oh my, that is the ancestors right there. You see, she look at the magic the you did. She bought the hospital that Marion Sims. I bought the site. The site mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. hospital where Marion Sims persecuted our women. Yes. And it's turned yes. it into a place of black maternal health and healing and healing how you about are my shiro i got to i mean that's I, why i have tears in my eyes right now i just don't even oh my god i mean so so for real do you feel the success in that like what in the world you you've got you've gotten what you've longed for since you were 17 artivists out on the i mean like how do you feel Actually, I feel the success. Do you can you taste it, smell it, hear it? So the thing I did not expect that. I did not expect to buy this building because we have property. We the mother sits on a beautiful, you know, acre in the, in literally a half block from the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Literally three blocks from the Freedom Rides Museum. Literally downtown close to Rosa Park. So uh, we already have space. We have two buildings on the property. That was a bonus. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it was, so I will tell you this in 2020, normally I have this event called Art on a Square where I invite artists to come and bring their art and we have a concert, but it's always been about in our collegiate Betsy. I've always talked about that journey. So for 2020, I asked my colleagues, my friends, to bring out paintings of their mothers or aunts or a woman that they admired, whether they were pregnant, you know, so there was a thing. And so about 100 people showed up and there was art. We curated the the fountain, which women were bought, sold and traded alongside cattle. Mm. And we're all in our masks because it's COVID. And this is 2020. And I said, I want to take you all on a journey to the space where these women were tortured. And I started telling them the story. When we turned the corner, people begin to weep. They what? brought flowers to the site. Wow. Where that I now own a year mm-hmm. later. Mm. I wasn't expecting that. I'll tell you, when you tell that story and you started off with um, the the folks when you were in school saying you need to redo this project because it is too black. It was like your, this is the response to all of that. The saying, yeah. what, is, what does that mean too black? And, yeah. you know, one of my favorite like personal saying is that loving blackness and loving black life is like the spiritual calling 
of our time. Mm. And in mm. your refusal, this creativity just continues to like bear fruit. It mm. just bears fruit. It's like, it, it, you know, too black. It's like, yes, that's right. Too black. <laughs> too black. Mm. You know, mm. growing up, you all can recount this. The only time I ever saw black people in advertisement was when they're smoking cool, when they're smoking or drinking malt liquor wow. or something of that nature. But really, we didn't see a diverse group of people of color on television doing any type of advertising, mm -hmm. right? And marketing of any kind. So this was, um, my portfolio was to address that. Was yes. to have people, black people selling Tide and drinking Pepsi and mm -hmm. having a Coke and a you know, mm -hmm. and living. So it just, mm -hmm. living. Yep. So it grew into this beautiful campus. Um, again, it's, it's a space where students now can come. We're having one of the, the buildings restored where 28 medical students can come and stay for a week to learn this before they're tainted with the garbage that they're teaching them in healthcare. Sorry. But um, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Speak that truth. Yeah. yeah. So we want to get them the first year in medical school and teach them the origin of gynecology and where it came from, and that Black people feel pain just like every else, you know, everyone else does. Mm. Um, we want to dispel the the myth and the lie before they're even told. Oh, gosh! Wow! And to oh. talk about the power of using art to create that venue for truth to be revealed in a way that will last lifetimes now. You're training the new doctors. You are teaching yes. the students now. You are showing young girls the truth about their bodies and empowering them. And just, it's astounding what you've done. Bravo, seriously. Well, yes. It's truly bravo. And, and Thank what all the... The, the that art is not it's like the impact that it's having on like the medical you'll be you the medical profession will be changed by what you are doing and by what mm -hmm. you have already done and uh it it really it really is you know that's why we had to have you on i knew it when we brought our 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 cohort to um you know, the site where the statues are and their mm. shoulders just, you know, they just kind of relaxed because yeah. it is a space that is filled with so much peace and so yeah. much power at the same time. They they yeah. go together. You feel, you know, we got to plant in the garden there. They're yes. you know, they growing. Yes. And it was, it's just beautiful. Um, you know, one of the questions that we like to ask is about um, the vision, a vision of the world that you want to see. What does it look and feel and taste like? And you might be able to say more on that, but it feels like just listening to you talk about what you do now, you're actually creating a part of the world that you want to see, the future oh, that you want to see in real time. Oh, yes, for sure. I was going to try to show you, I, I mean, in your audience may not be able to see it, but I wanted to show you, I'm not finished. We're not done. We've already, we're dismantling the the picture of Sims, the one that we know of great uh, moments in medicine. 
if you go to the website really quickly and pull it up, you will see, um, and this is going to mess you up too. I wanted to send it to you so that you could see because you all are going to. Let me see if I, if I can pull it up and then we will make sure in the show notes that we have it. So yeah, that so people can people. click on it and yes. see that. Yes. While she's pulling that up, I'm curious to know, what do you love about being a Black woman? Oh my God. I know it's such a big question. I figured while we're searching, we get to that. Absolutely. I love everything about being a Black woman and apparently everyone else wants to be a Black woman. Hey, and hey you now. I, I told this, you know, I'm a little jokester, but you know, it has this lazy truth uh, that there are Black men who will go through great lengths to be a Black woman. This is true. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. Oh, I can't uh-huh. wait to show. I can't wait to show. I can't wait till people can see this. I want to see the the. Basically, she's got oh. um, Sims, a sort of white man Sims, on the table, and the b- black women are standing around, hands on hips. Uh, one is looking out into the into the audience, into you know, at us, basically saying, you know. Um, to account that's right but with all of the power that black women have that is summoning I would say that it's reckoning but it's not summoning uh the world that you created in other words we're not looking for retribution it's Mm -hmm. imagining a new world of creativity in life and so you have to reckon with the fact that we are here we are alive we have survived we are continuing to create and the world that you would like to make that you would even like to leave to your sons thinking that they'll be saved by it we are here to tell you that no you will not they won't be saved and we none of us will be saved and so we're here to tell you a new way to be. That's what I see in this picture. We have to do all of that. Yes. Yes, ma'am. You know, wow. it's just it's just magnificent. Um, our our audience, they're they're gonna have to make the pilgrimage. So if people were gonna come see you, where would they be coming? Yeah, they would come to the campus. But what I've done with this particular picture, I have the original, it's in our, it's in my studio and it's really big. So I wanna have that particular um picture mounted in the space where women where women will receive the primary care mm-hmm. so i'm going to art and medicine so the space where you're going to be examined is an actual curated space it's a gallery well you understand what i'm saying so you'll get the information on how to treat your body this is what happened to black bodies the thing in black bodies you know, books for you to, to understand like Dorothy Roberts or Deidre Cooper Owens or Dr. Joyce DeBrew, or there's a new one coming out called Say Anarcha, white gentleman, did this book, um, but he's been a wonderful resource and he has, you know, did a deeper dive on the history and what happened to these women and the doctors. But um, yeah, you can come to the campus, 17 Mildred Street, uh, take a tour, or I'll take you to the, to the site, you'll feel the ancestors, they are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will and then also I created a backyard hospital um, what? it's a truck and I just made a backyard hospital with that painting with a, a print of that painting in the back and you go in and Anarka starts to talk to you it's an AR component so you hold your phone up and she'll start telling you do you know what this man did to us do you oh understand 
you know? And so, um, and then you can sit with the mothers. There's a beautiful space to sit mm-hmm. and reflect, have a spot of tea out of our garden. And what? yeah, mm-hmm. it's a space of healing and reckoning. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love the way healing and reckoning go together. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love so the way true. they go together. And do you have a space for young artists to come and paint with you or do you do any kind of, that's amazing. We do, they can come to my studio. As a matter of fact, I'm sending two of my students. We have, okay, let me just break this down for y'all. I have a horse farm with nine rescue horses on there. And I started- my hero for real. Oh my God. I started started the horse farm during COVID. I'm out mm-hmm. there talking to the horses because there's nobody else to talk to. So I'm giving them baths and rubbing them down. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling them, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to survive this. I'm literally having a conversation with the horse. And I swear to God, y'all, I'm not lying to you, but I could have swore that horse turned to me. When I asked him, I said, what are we going to do? I could have swore. He said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for me to get up out of this country and do something because this horse is talking to me. And so I started a horse farm and I have students that come and people that suffer from PTSD, you may have lost a child or whatever that you're dealing with, whatever trauma, you come to that farm, you spend time with those horses, you ride them, we teach you how to ride. Wow. And it's just so therapeutic. We have equestrian horses as well. So, um, and so from there, I have my studio, which is now a welding shop. So I'm taking two of my boys who are, um, that work with us on the farm and I'm going to teach them the well. I'm sending them to school, to college. Um, it's a six month college where they'll teach them how to well. And we're going to do a lot of work together. So it's a space. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You are an artist, a healer, a magician, mm-hmm. a fierce warrior. You are just holding all the parts and we are grateful, truly. Mm-hmm. And you are the Adinkra symbol that you use all the time, except for God. I mean, I don't know if you want to describe what that symbol means to you, but um, um, you know, it's yeah. it's just powerful and it's so applicable to the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for I, mentioning that. I was thinking about how holistic what you've been saying is. You know, you've been lifting up the relationship to the land, the relationship to all of creation and the horses. The relationship to to the to the metal, to the steel, to the you know these these materials, the monuments, that all of those things that we can be like interdependent in relationship with them, and that our healing would come through that, and that you would and that you would be spoken to, like that that people that 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 the things speak to us. I mean, it reminds me of that song, "What Breaths." Yes. Um, um, I'm a Listen more often to things and to beings. Mm-hmm. Truly. Yeah. And I love what you're saying, Lisa, about reclaiming metal, like taking the chains and then yeah. welding them into something different. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful. Taking handcuffs, welding them into something different. Mm-hmm. You know, reshaping that traumatic history and herstory and turning it into a space of healing and love mm-hmm. and reclamation, like you've been saying. Absolutely. And these are discarded items. These are items that nobody wanted in the junkyard. So the beauty is in the broken. Oh my God. I didn't know that part. The beauty is in the broken. You're holding all the parts. You're holding all the parts. So amazing. That's your new theme song. (laughs) 
we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna wrap soon, but um, Michelle, is there is there a song that you carry, a book that you carry, some thing? Maybe it's you know, is there something that you carry with you um, that sings or resonates in your heart, um, inspires your art? Yeah. Really quickly, I was homeless in 2015. Someone broke into my home and, and demolished it. It was so bad that it was like $40,000 worth of damage. Mm -hmm. And I can remember sleeping in my dad's rescue mission. He has a rescue mission for women. And I was laying on the bed. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. And there's this song that says, it won't always be like this. Right? Mm -hmm. And I could hear the song in my head. Wow. 2015, as I was creating a conference, uh, an event for for my students, um, it was called Truth Be Told. Mm -hmm. And I'm laying on a bed in a shelter, putting together this event in 2015, during the summer of Montgomery March, it was the 50th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And it was just that Donald Lawrence song, it won't always be like this. Mm -hmm. And so I carry that. I carry that. And I can imagine those women, those girls carry that. It yeah. won't always be, you know? Yeah. Mm. Oh, my sister, you're an inspiration. Um, so incredible. So incredible. Um, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for you. Thank you for just walking and talking on the earth and for all that you have created and will create. Um, we are so, so grateful. Truly. And bless you. I mean, really bless your hands, bless your heart, bless your head, bless all of the things and may everything you touch from now on just turn to all kinds of gold. And you can weld that together if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for having me. Oh, for sure. For sure. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to Michelle's together. I'm okay. saying I, I can't wait. I'm running. I'm running there. I know, yeah. You know, we have a conference February 26th through March 1st. Um and Uncle Lucy Betsy Day of Reckoning. And Nicole <laughs> Hannah Jones is our keynote. Dr. Alicia Baybank, Linda Villarosa. We have all of these dynamic authors. Wow. Dolan Valdez. Um and the, the uh, dates again. Tell us the dates again. February 26th through March 1st. Okay. In Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah. All and right. what's a website where people can look up this beautiful conference so that they can register and all come? Everybody, come on. Let me just say it out loud so that everybody has it. It's www.anarkalucybetsy.org. That's, and that's, that's Betsy it. spelled with an E, B E T. S-E-Y.org. That's right. That's right. Check out everything that Michelle Browder does. You will be blessed. All right, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So this week, beloveds, we had the opportunity to listen to the incomparable artist, Michelle Browder. And she spoke to us about the importance of honoring and holding up Black women in our lives. Traditionally, we're told that they should be our mothers, 
our aunties, our grandmothers. And for some of us, that's who they are. For others of us, they can be an ancestor, a woman that we, you know, we visited in our imagination, an author, a favorite writer. The invitation this week is to find a photo, find a picture, draw a picture, an image of a woman, a black woman that you admire. It could be yourself. Imagine that. Put her on a place of honor in your home, an altar. Put her up on the refrigerator with a magnet and just let her spirit emanate um, in your space for a time. I promise you it'll make a difference. Thank you for listening to We Flesh, an offering of Auburn Seminary's Sojourner Truth Leadership Circle. For more content and offerings created by Black women for Black women, visit us at tarryingplace.org. Our podcast is produced and edited by Courtney Weber Hoover with cover art by Matt C and music by Amakela Gaston and Alexander Nakarada. If you'd like to support our work, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, beloveds.